Welcome everyone to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles, and with me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. As always, Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm excited to get into the discussion about this uh, quarterback and running back class and uh, excited to have Stags on first time I've been able to do a show with him. So I'm excited all around. Uh, Jen, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, we're talking rookies, so I'm basically here to not get fined. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, not our uh, not our uh, biggest draft fan at 4 for 4, but always happy to come and talk and give us uh, a little simmer down redraft advice <laughs> draft uh, draft prospects. Uh, as Chris alluded to this week, we're lucky to be joined by our very own Anthony Staggs. You can follow Anthony on Twitter at StaggsNFL. Check out his mock draft over at 444.com. It's uh, excellent. It's been updated three times. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. Nice to see you again. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, it's right in my wheelhouse right now. It's the crunch time for us. Uh, we've got about a week to put a final build, uh, big board together for a couple different contests. So putting some final touches on that. Uh, there's a couple different contests that go hand in hand with that, trying to get, you know, how many players you have in your top hundred, top 150, uh, and then of course the mock draft grading will be tons of fun this year. I'm feeling pretty confident, but I guess uh, this is a year where not everyone feels as confident. You know, without those major quarterback players, people are feeling a little bit, uh, you know, that there could be some weird things happening in the top ten. So I'm excited to watch and gets to talk about it you know live with uh the the guys here uh who will be doing a live broadcast uh for the draft uh for day one and day two so that'll be exciting yeah yeah it's uh i'll be tuning in i'm looking forward to watching it uh one thing like you alluded to uh there's no trevor lawrence in this draft we knew for two years trevor lawrence was gonna be the first pick last year uh we don't know this year we're gonna talk quarterbacks and running backs mostly today but i know uh, I want to ask you a little bit about your mock draft first. You've got uh, the Jags taking Michigan pass rusher Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, pass rusher seems to be a strength of this draft. Uh, on your big board, though, you have Kayvon Thibodeau as your number one prospect, the pass rusher out of Oregon. Can you tell me a little bit about the pass rushers, why you think the Jags will go Hutchinson, and which one or why you like Thibodeau the best? Right now, Hutchinson is such a strong betting favorite that it's sort of a little bit against the grain to pick anybody else. Uh, you know, right now, the guy who's surging, though, and is who's starting to show up on a lot more of the mocks as we get a little bit closer here is Trevon Walker. Uh, he's a very toolsy player, though. Like, he's got skills, the, the production yeah, that that's always going to be a question mark. You'd like your number one overall pick to have the skills, have the athleticism and have the production. And with Aiden Hutchinson, you're basically getting a more athletic Bosa brother. Like the dude's a bad dude. Like there's no way about it. But um, like Kavon Thibodeau, people, the, the rumors swirling him are, you know, work ethic and he's a, a me guy. But two years ago, he just saw, you know, Justin Herbert come out in the draft, be lackadaisical, you know, things didn't matter to him, you know, so maybe football didn't matter to him. So maybe he took a different edge. Maybe he just played it differently, played his cards differently. And, you know, hey, I, to play defense, I think you got to have a little bit of that me personality uh, that that want to that ball's mine you know that quarterback's mine you got to have a little bit of that nasty in your game so i'm fine with all the me talk and, and uh especially when you're tr you're trying to sell yourself you're not trying to sell like 
you know, the rest of your team uh, to the NFL. You're trying to sell yourself to get that best possible draft pick. And uh, Kavon Thibodeau is basically just the best pass rusher. Like if I'm drafting someone number one, that's what I'm looking for. Like run, be, run defense, be damned. But um, you know, <laughs> questions about his motor and things like that seem to be getting a little bit overblown. I've got a friend who used to be on the Oregon staff and they disagree with you. So that's that. <laughs> also, if he lands in Detroit at number two, which would be fun, I feel like that coaching staff motor is not going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes players have their own motors. Sometimes they get hyped up by the guys around them. There's different things that happen all the time, you know, being internally motivated versus externally motivated. Hell, some of these dudes are even motivated by money and I'm fine yeah. with that. Yeah. Like get yours, bro. Get your like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, as I mentioned, we're going to do a two-parter uh, pre-draft uh, series here. We're going to talk running backs and quarterbacks today, prospects, favorite fits, things of that sort. Uh, next week, we will have somebody else on and we'll talk wide receivers and tight ends. I figured it'd be best to split that instead of trying to jam it all into one episode. Uh, Anthony, let's start with running backs. Tell me a little bit about this class as a whole. I mean, this class for me is really about three guys and they're like second round grades you've got Brees hall who's got all the production in the world he caught 86 passes throughout his career uh he's rushed for over a thousand yards you know scored 20 touchdowns last year just the whole package is sort of there to be had and then he goes out and he runs real fast he he runs sub four four uh at, at a pretty strong weight So he's got sort of the total package and you look at, you know, athletic comps for him and they're guys like Jonathan Taylor and Edron James, Uh, like Edron James is my comp for him because he's just sort of got that smooth glide running style that not a lot of dudes have. He like he doesn't look like he's trying that hard, but he is like chunking up yards. And that's just something I love uh, from a back. And, And then you have a couple you have a couple other backs like Kenneth Walker who has no receiving profile. So everybody's going to knock him down a bit runner uh, down a bit, but he's by far the best runner only in this class. So that's exciting. Um, As long as you can get over that receiving knock and it's not that we don't, know if he can do it it's just that he wasn't asked to do it right like there's still in the range of outcomes that he becomes a very good pass rusher uh pass catcher excuse me because it's happened to guys before you know even jonathan taylor's out there now catching passes after you know not really doing it and the third guy is isaiah spiller uh he's got a ton of protection uh a ton of production at the sec level so uh he came out and ran a little bit slower at a little bit less of a weight than you wanted to see. Um, so that was a little bit concerning, but he's got that three down versatility and he also doesn't look like he's trying too hard, but you know, that long speed is going to be a question for teams. So I wanted to focus on Brees Hall because I know that he's going to be the RB one of this class, like for, for everybody. And you mentioned it at the start of your, like uh, the previous part stags in that, we really don't see any of these guys going in the first round now. And I guess the part of what I want to ask you about is, is this more of a product of the quality of the player? Because like you just tossed out the comps for, for Brees Hall, Jonathan Taylor, Edron James, 
but if you also look at the production, you would want to stack up Brees Hall with guys like Jonathan Taylor, with Najee Harris. I mean, if you look at what he was, I think, third or fourth in terms of missed tackles forced just this past season. I think, like you mentioned, with his 86 targets, he only had like five drops throughout his entire collegiate production. So he has all of the, he meets all the thresholds for being an elite prospect, but he's not going to have the same elite prospect grade or draft capital that we would similarly associate with them. Even guys like Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, any of those guys that have come out that we've considered to be elite prospects. So where would you kind of stack these guys up? Like, would you take Brees Hall ahead of most of these guys like Najee Harris and so on and so forth? Or do you think that just looking at the way that he was able to produce at his time at, let's say, a relatively smaller school than some of the other guys that have gotten first round draft capital. I mean, do you think that it's just more of a, Hey, we just, just, we should go ahead and just look at that production and take that as it, as it is. And just look at Brees Hall as one of the better prospects to come out in some time. Yeah. I, I think that's a very difficult question to answer, but I think that running back fit is really starting to, you know, make its way across the NFL teams are using it, you know, two or three backs now. So it's really just a byproduct of that because in past years, we'd be talking Brees Hall like he's a you know, top 10, top 15 pick in the draft. But it seems like teams are starting to you know figure it out pretty much at a league-wide level that these guys are somewhat replaceable. Uh, so they're not d- uh, devoting as many assets to him. He has been getting some first-round buzz uh, that's usually centered around the Bills and how the Bills think he could be the last piece to their sort of puzzle. Um, yeah, I see that. But then you get, you know, a couple years ago, the Chiefs make a move at the end of the first round for uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and, and that move doesn't work out. So now do they want to be the same type of team who goes out and, and makes a similar move? And maybe it's a mistake when they could play it safe and draft another corner and try to keep up with the AFC West arms race. Um, so that's going to be a major question. And then after that, there, there just seems to be a lot of backfields around the league that are more that that have at least one guy right now. Some teams got two, some teams got three, and they like their depth. So it just seems like there, there's been a lot of good backs that have entered the league, uh, you know, with the depths of class. And this class might be a little bit more top heavy than, you know, some of the more recent classes. But uh, guys have been producing with late round draft capital and, you know, as, being asked to fill specific roles like, uh, you know, Ramondre Stevenson uh, and, and other backs that have come out in the last couple of years in the, you know, late, um, you know, fourth to seventh round draft capital. Mm-hmm. And for for Brees Hall specifically, I mean, where do you see him kind of being the best fit? It may be, if not for NFL purposes, because like you were discussing, it might be more about the fit or the schematic fit for that particular player. But I know in your article that you've got over at 444, folks, definitely check that out. Uh, you have him mocked to the Cardinals. I mean, is that still the case, or do you think there might be just a, a, a different spot for him? I mean, there's a lot of spots he could fit because he could sort of play gap. He can play zone. I think he could do pretty well in power. Um, so I think he fits in all the NFL run run systems. It's just where is he going to end up? Is that spot going to give him you know the most touches? Because we know there's going to be 
potentially some juicy fantasy uh, landing spots for the wide receivers uh, at the end of the first round with the Chiefs and Packers. It's can he land in a spot where people aren't knocking him down the board from maybe, you know, one, one in non super flex and, you know, one, 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 two in super flex. Uh, I think there's a lot of good spots for him and, it's just the question of is he going to end up on sort of one of the more elite offenses at the back of round one, or is he going to end up on a slightly worse team at, at the top of round two? But, you know, that team could dedicate the run uh, to him. And, you know, there is a team like Pittsburgh, you know, made that move for Najee last year that c- it could be pretty similar. The Bills could do that. Uh, I think he could end up with the Cardinals as well, but uh, it's going to be one of these teams early in the second is my read on it. I really don't think we're getting a first round running back. Mm-hmm. Merck. It's going to be Merck. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be the Jets. It's going to be some team like that. That's going to Merck everything up. Uh, <laughs> you talked about uh, Walker. You talked about Spiller. You talked about uh, Brees Hall. Uh, do you have like a favorite next to your running back prospect that's not really there? I like Peter Strong a lot. I wish he had like five more pounds in each thigh, but uh, but I like Peter Strong like just the speed and 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 kind of his natural running ability. Uh, any kind of favorite next to your guy that we might see on day two? Yeah, I mean everybody's falling in love with James Cook right now. Um, he's an explosive athlete. He's got a you know pass catching profile, but. You know, the overall size isn't there, so he needs to be like a 1B, change of pace back, James White plus in a committee um, with a focus on the pass game. So he's been rising up people's boards, and they think he's going to go second or third uh, round. But I like the class uh, a little bit in the late rounds, but guys all have their warts. I I mean, Zamir White, uh, Damian Pierce, even Tyler Algier, uh, Max Borgie, like there's interesting guys up and down. Um, but yeah, James James Cook's been a little bit of the infatuation lately. I, I'm riding that train. But if I have to look even deeper than that, uh, let's see who we got. <sighs> you know, Master Teague put on a show at the mm, Ohio yeah. State Pro Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Heard that, all about that. That's yeah. just the size speed freak who hasn't, you know, gotten many touches and, you know, sort of fell out of favor uh, at Ohio State there. But that sort of style and then Abram Smith out of Baylor, I'm liking both of those guys. I think I think Smith might end up being a little bit higher drafted than we initially think. Well, I was going to ask you about kind of diving a little deeper, going into a sleeper that, you know, someone like an Eliza Mitchell or a James Robinson, you know, that we don't really um, see coming and then all of a sudden comes on kind of at the end. Is there someone that you haven't mentioned that's there? I mean, you kind of touched on a lot of guys in that last little uh, breath, but I figured I'd at least ask and see if maybe there was anyone out there that you think could be a secret guy. I mean, as far as fantasy, not in the actual draft, but maybe someone that is a later round guy that, you know, maybe a a third day guy that uh, we can look for in fantasy that may uh, surprise us. Yeah. I think uh, Tyrion Davis price out of LSU. He's a six foot back uh, junior. He's still got some youth to him. He rushed for over a thousand yards, uh, you know, for a down LSU team. He set the single game rush record for LSU this year. Um, And he's, 
he's sort of a guy that you see in between the tackles. He's got a little bit of juice. He's got a little bit of cast pass catching ability and, and he just seems to do everything well. Um, and he, <laughs> He's got a little bit of just something that looks like he could pop. So he's a guy I like a little bit deeper and who's starting to get some visits here might end up a, a little quicker than we thought. And he ran a, you know, sub four five forty at 211 pounds. His vertical jump wasn't all that impressive and neither was his broad, uh, but everything else, you know, in the profile looks pretty good. He weighed a little bit more at his pro day, uh, but, you know, failed to run there. Uh, but he's got a profile I'm a little bit intrigued by. Well, I was gonna, you know, I was also gonna, of course, touch on the Georgia guys because I am a, uh, I am a Georgia alum. In case anyone, you know, hasn't heard listening to the podcast. Actually, I'm sorry, back up. A a reigning national championship Georgia alum. That's um, an idea. But, <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I, you know, you you touched on Cook and uh, Zamir Zeus White um, a little bit, but uh, you know, it's interesting. I find that. Yes, you know, a lot of people have fallen in love with James Cook. And uh, I think it's interesting, though. I think both of them are still a little bit undervalued because I feel like a lot of people kind of look at the numbers and look at their usage and it, they're not all the way there. And it's because Georgia, by design, doesn't have a lead back. I mean, it's been years and years and years of this where it's kind of no rhyme or reason. Like they use them all at different times. And so I think that's kind of interesting that I feel like they're both kind of undervalued. I'm excited, obviously, to see uh, where they both land and what happens with them. But uh, I think that uh, Zeus is, he, you know, he's not getting a lot of pub and I love him. I'm, I'm excited about it. So, yeah, uh, he's got a great little profile, though, uh, you know, averaged over five and nearly five and a half yards of carry, you know, scored 11 touchdowns in each of the last two seasons, uh, has a little bit of versatility to his game, uh, wasn't called upon to be that pass catching back, but uh, it's something I definitely think he could do. But he's one of those dudes that, you know, walks into a room and he's like, Oh damn, he, he, he's got a little swole to his game. I wouldn't want to step in front of him. So he, he's physical. He's he, I, I think he's an interesting back that can also, um, you know, hold up and pass protection. I'm really liking both the Georgia backs, uh, you know, very early when, uh, Zamir was recruited. I thought he was going to be like one of the top Debbie players. Uh, that didn't turn out to be the exact truth, but he still showed up at the combine, you know, at 214 pounds, ran a four, four, you know, had an impressive, you know, first 10 yards split a one, five, one, uh, and he's just explosives. So I'm interested to see how he shakes out. And just in keeping along those lines, I mean, of course, one of the things that we're going to do immediately after the draft is figure out, okay, well, what is the impact of some of these running backs going to be on their potential backfields? Like once they get drafted to them, I'm almost a thousand percent sure that's going to be an article that's going to be coming out within the like first month shortly after the draft. Uh, Luis, I know you're listening. Uh, but where do you think some of these, if not like the the top five or so in like the way you have them ranked right now, but even some of the later round guys, because so let's say like, uh, I don't know, let's say if like the Buccaneers were to take a guy like Tyler Beatty, who he could be that maybe pass catching specialist. I mean, he had like 60 plus targets this past year, if I'm remembering right. Or let's say if the Chiefs wound up taking a guy like Brian Robinson. Since he's what, like 225, two, close to 230 for like a goal line special, that sort of thing. So, like those tools or those special skills that some of these running backs have, 
Where do you see a couple of them landing where it could be kind of lights out for the veterans that are currently in place? I, I don't know. Like, I don't think there's very many guys that are taking anyone out uh, per se outside of the top three. I'm just, I think a lot of these backs are complimentary backs and I, I just don't know if teams are trying to hammer on redundancies anymore and trying to get more depth, but there's even talks about like Detroit really liking this class and Detroit really liking James Cook. No, like no. Why? <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> why? I, I don't have great answers for you, but there, yeah. there, there's a couple of these going on right now where you're scratching your head and you're thinking like, do you really have to do this to me? Right. Uh, you know, the Giants really like a couple of the backs, so maybe, you know, Saquon finally gets a little bit of a spell, even though I thought Booker played pretty well there last mm-hmm. year. Talk uh, about a good Zabir White landing spot. Yeah. Mm. The, the Giants, oof. Um, th- there's a couple... T- t- just guys I think are going to see their projections drop two, maybe three touches. And it's going to be one of those things that play out through the course of a season. Mm-hmm. How scared should I be as a Devin Singletary truther? <laughs> I mean, I think they're taking a back. Uh-huh. The, the question is, do they take one of the big three or not for me? Like, because, you know, Singletary was good there, but, you know, Zach Moss you know, had a game or two and flash some PPR points that really, you know, didn't amount into much production from the run game. And I also think they're trying to get away as Josh Allen ages from using him as the battering ram. They know they can't get away with that all the time and they have to, you know, keep that one in their back pockets a little more. So I I think in a good in between the tackle runner, you know, with, So we've also got to remember when talking about the Bills specifically that they wanted to draft Travis Etienne last year, but the the Jaguars uh, sort of ruined that for them. Um, So they were ready with their first round pick last year to select. uh, So make that selection. So it's kind of like they're so close to doing it. I I just don't know if I'm going to believe it until I see it because of how, you know, great that organization has built the team. And, you know, maybe we're going to see that spill over onto the giants uh, with their hires and Joe Shane and Brian Dable. I, uh, I, I need a Buzzfeed like top 10 list of the things the Jaguars ruined last year. And I, I feel like only half of them would be football related. I feel like that would be the case. Uh, Anthony, do you do best ball? Yeah, uh, I do. I haven't started yet because okay. of, um, you know, you're not a degenerate like us. No, <laughs> well, my, it's my, okay. My, it's okay. My draft responsibilities, you know, sort of keep me out of the Fair game, enough. but yeah. I am missing on the opportunities to draft these young guys before they end up, you know, boosting up the boards by landing in, you know, some favorable spots. I saw Kenneth Walker go in the third round in a best ball attorney uh, that I would, that I entered in a best ball draft that I entered. And I went, wow. Like, even if he lands in best case scenario, that's still tough. Like he went ahead of a lot of guys that we know are starting right that's, now, but that's uh, rich. 
Maybe they and, know uh, <laughs> which is a good time to say uh, if you want to play underdog, anybody out there doesn't have an underdog account, uh, go in, get some early best ball action. We have a promo. You deposit $10 into a new underdog account, get a deposit mat bonus match and a four for four pro subscription. So it's a great deal. If you uh, want to get that pro subscription, you're on the fence about best ball, uh, come and enjoy Check out some of those draft lobbies. Just enter 4444FOR4 in the promo code box. So, Anthony, let's talk quarterbacks a little bit. Uh, you know, running backs obviously are going to be the, the prime picks, and that's why I wanted to dedicate the most time to that. But uh, this class of quarterbacks is very interesting to me uh, because of the lack of a Trevor Lawrence. Uh, how is this class? How do you see this class going into it? I mean, this class is one of the weakest we've had, but you know, it's still got some interesting players. We also got to remember we're sort of in a new age of quarterback. We've got a bunch of guys who are very athletic, uh, outside of Carson strong. All of these guys can really move in the pocket. They, they've got some speed outside of it, which gives us a little bit of Konami, Konami aspects. Uh, we've got, everything we're looking for uh, from fantasy quarterbacks. It's just right now. I don't know how many of these guys are better than the 40th or 50th best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. So it's, you know, they're good. It's just, we've got to see them take that next step and become, you know, top 20 players. If not, you know, if they have more than that, but this, this class has grades that, you know, aren't favorable to last year. You know, Malik Willis, who's my top quarterback in this class, I think I'd rank him QB five last or QB six, excuse me. Um, I, I do love his, you know, all around game. He's got uh, a big arm. He's got, you know, speed to burn. He can use his legs inside, outside of the pockets, but he's also got a lot of warts and he's got some tools and he, he's got to learn how to, you know, sort of play the game at the NFL level. So many of many are expecting him to hopefully land in a spot where he could take some time and, you know, sit behind hopefully a good quarterback, but more likely a Mitchell Trubisky uh, and just take some time and, you know, iron out more of the uh, reads and progression. fired at Mitchell Trubisky. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a Chicago Bear fan, I guess. Oh, or... fair enough. Oh, okay. <laughs> you used, used to be. <laughs> like, we, we've soured a little bit, but. Uh... As a Bears fan, when I look at Malik Willis, and, and I, I've I've been uh, looking at draft prospects for a long time, but I, uh, I haven't paid as much t attention. It's more like casual for me the last couple of years. I wanted to ask you, my Malik Willis uh, scouting, for lack of a better word, I see him as very similar to the flaws I saw in Justin Fields last year. And I liked Justin Fields, but except all the positives that you see with Malik Willis are at Liberty, whereas all the positives we saw with Justin Fields were at Ohio State. So it was easier to tell a narrative of a top 10 pick. And I, I like Malik Willis. I'm excited about him. He blew up the combine. But um, do you see those same problems with the blitz and problems with accuracy on the run and problems with uh, plays breaking down around him and being able to make continue to make plays with his arms? Or is that, am I off base? I mean, the main knocks on him are sort of, you know, progression and 
took far too many sacks. Like his sack rate was basically double anybody else in the country, but he also just didn't have dudes around him. Like we say he played at Liberty as a knock on his opponents, but we should also knock those around him. It's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> they, they weren't those dudes either, but you know, he what's he, he's a former Auburn commit who got some play there. looked pretty good athletically. So you, you saw that his athleticism uh, was at play with these guys in a power five conference. Um, so his athleticism is NFL elite at the quarterback position. There, there's no doubt. It's just, can he progress? Can he make reads? Uh, and, you know, when he's making reads, can he get the ball off quick enough uh, to not get sacked at the NFL level? And so building off of that, we want to try and figure out who those guys are that are going to provide the most fantasy value, like right out of the gate. And I think either Malik Willis with the rushing upside, Desmond Ritter also with the rushing upside, what he ran like a four five or something like that. If four, I'm five, two, right. Yep. yep. So we've got the Konami code in those couple of guys. And so I wanted to ask you about them and what their fantasy outlook or I guess where we could see those guys like possibly getting us to the point where we want to draft them or like what is the ideal situation for those guys. Well, let's talk about the prototypical pocket passers. And we've got guys that could possibly kind of create that same type of fantasy value. Let's say maybe a guy like Matt Corral or Sam Howell. I mean, because those guys, they they come from heavy RPO schemes, which can be, at least at the NFL level, useful for fantasy if they're efficient enough and accurate enough in order to get the ball to their receivers. So I guess out of like the top five of this class, I mean, what are the, I guess, ideal situations you can see them landing in? I mean, here's the thing. These guys are all sort of athletic. Like Kenny Pickett's a Raz 9.52. He ran a 4.73, which wasn't, you know, the fastest, but it's still. He was the one that did the fake slide, right? Is yes, that, that yes. Yeah, yeah, we've, yeah, yeah, seen, yeah. we've seen the fake slide. Like that's at least legit speed. Uh, you know, he had a strong vertical, had a strong broad jump uh, over 10 foot for a quarterback. He's very, very strong. Uh, he was good in the shuttle. The, the main knock on Kenny Pickett is, you know, hand size. So some teams won't even have him on a board because of, you know, certain established thresholds. That's just a matter of fact. Uh, some teams will, and some teams also, you know, he meets all the commandments of, you know, Bill Parcells. He's a longtime starter. He's got a certain number of starts. His TD to interception ratio is better than two to one. Um, you know, he won like 67% of his games and yada, yada, yada. So, you know, Ritter also meets that. And they're both athletic, but. You, know, you see a little bit of a stronger 40 time out of Ritter, and that gives them a little bit more in the athletic, uh, you know, uh, community, uh, I guess you could say, is he's getting a little bit of a boost there, but they're pretty similar athletes. And then Matt Corral didn't, you know, compete in any of these, but we saw his, you know, his game change a little bit, used his legs a lot more, uh, and sort of cut back on those interceptions to where, you know, maybe he can be a compliment or a eventual successor to a Ryan Tannehill down the line. Like the guys are, I think that Tennessee spot at the end of the first round is going to be a spot potentially for a quarterback. And, you know, Tannehill might be on some thin ice as they try to figure out if they can build something around Derrick Henry. And, you know, when the rest of the AFC is loading up, 
you've you've got to make at least some move to you know take that next step. Um, but these guys are all talented. You know, Howell had to use his legs a lot more when he lost what basically is top three pass catchers to the NFL, top two running backs to the NFL last year. And, Running for his life, too. <laughs> yeah, and you know that's not to mention the offensive line, what they did to him, his sack rate. So uh, these guys all have warts and all have question marks. That's why I say they're probably the you know 40th to 50th best quarterbacks in the league right now. Um, they all deserve to be, you know, drafted, but in, in another year, I don't, if these classes were combined, I don't know if any of these guys get drafted in the first round last year. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see, and it's going to be interesting to see who kicks the can down the road a year, uh, for the class we have coming next. Based on what you just said, there's not a lot of redraft action, I don't think, uh, from quarterbacks in this draft <laughs> class. I mean, I would think, I guess, if someone like, I mean, if Malik Willis somehow ended up in, you know, Seattle and and actually was able to, you know, use that big arm for DK and lock it, maybe you could see justify taking him at some point. But I don't know. I think I think these guys are kind of, you know, late round stabs in best ball and and uh, stay away in redraft. It's kind of what it looks like to me. Yeah, I mean, these guys are going to be so landing spot dependent. I mean, the prime position that everybody looks at is, you know, sort of Carolina at six. Uh, yeah. Your, your competition is Sam Darnold, and we'll just say your competition is Sam Darnold. Uh, um, <laughs> like, I looked up my draft notes on <laughs> Sam Darnold. I was getting lazy by 2018, and it just says meh. Like, <laughs> you were spot on, though, right Brandon. Yeah, spot got on. It. <laughs> Nailed yeah. it. His feet are definitely missed. So. <laughs> um, but Ben McAdoo is making news today, uh, you know, talking about Sam Darnold is our starting quarterback and then retracting 90 seconds <laughs> later. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't have said I, that. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> I yeah. don't know if that's the plan or not. Oh, good old McAdoo. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the bro flow was on fire for Mac today, so we got to give him that. Stags, right. where, where are some spots outside of Carolina where you might peak interest, whether it's a late round best ball stab like Jen mentioned, or perhaps a, a, a you know some sort of redraft kind of look or something? Any other spot outside of Carolina, like is Atlanta interesting or uh, Houston? Any of those other spots? I sort of think. Right now, everyone has their starting quarterback except for maybe Carolina. It seems weird. It does but, seem that way. But uh, I, I guess teams aren't willing to take that chance and only have you know the rookie. Um, but all the rookies, yeah, need a little bit of work. Um, so so people will want them to sit. The question is, like, could he end up in Seattle and? You know, being a competition with Drew Locke and Geno Smith um, and, and end up getting some time there. Sure. But they also, you know, tried to start Matt Flynn over Russell Wilson, his rookie. Drew. Like, oh, yeah, cra right. crazier things happen prior to the draft and like position battles shake out. And absolutely, Seattle could just go with an all run based offense, run QB power, go rookie Cam Newton style. Uh, if they really think they're a contender, they could absolutely do that. But uh, 
do I think it's the most logical thing, or is it what I'm expecting as of today? No. But I'd, I'd be interested in seeing Malik Willis end up in Seattle and just go full Cam Newton style. Uh, be fun. You know, it'd be it'd be interesting, and we know how that turned out for fantasy. While we are a little bit deeper at the position now, um, you know, it, it still was a massive, massive rookie season in terms of total points. Chris, real quick, um, Dynasty, uh, where are you? Uh, I know you're more of a Dynasty player than Jen is. Uh, where are you looking at these uh, quarterbacks? So for the most part, like Malik Willis, you can have that conversation about taking him inside the top three. But then after that, it really is more of a toss up. I've seen conversations of folks arguing even in Superflex, taking the running backs, like the, the top two running backs ahead of Malik Willis, just because like Staggs was saying, it is really landing spot dependent on even if these guys will see the field, because if the league essentially makes this handshake agreement saying that these guys all have their warts on them and we'll let them sit behind an established veteran for a year while we help develop them, then let's just go ahead and wind up drafting or like from a, from a dynasty standpoint, take the running backs ahead of them, Brees Hall, take them ahead of them. And especially the wide receivers that are most likely going to be drafted at 104, let's say through 109. And all that's more or less going to be landing spot dependent as well. Like where's Drake London going to go? Jamison Williams care. I mean, the, all those guys, the top five, top six uh, that most folks have like for this class. So for my, like for where I'm looking at right now, if you're sitting at like the 103, it kind of sucks to be quite honest, because mm-hmm. there is so much, I guess, unknown as to where some of these folks are going to value the quarterbacks that it's almost easier to try and move back at that point because it just doesn't have the same value as it has in years past. Yeah, ma- makes sense. Uh, I'm going to ask one more question of each of you, okay? Uh, gun to your head, May 1st, what team does Baker Mayfield play with? Uh, play for on May 1st? Uh, Stags, let's start with you. I'm dead. at this point like he's done so much to alienate everybody that like i I don't know where he's gonna end up but you know your two logical you know teams we've talked about are carolina and seattle so uh I, i think it's gonna be carolina they've stressed for i don't know how long that they wanted a veteran option that the rookies really weren't for them the rookies really weren't for them uh so you know maybe they had baker mayfield take a tackle at six and then uh you know roll into the season like that and evaluate you know for the future and if they have to sell the farm for a top guy next year yeah i like that i like that chris uh, I was gonna say insert USFL team here. Uh, that was gonna be <laughs> that was gonna be my answer. Because yeah, I'm, I'm with Anthony on that one. I mean, there's been so much that's come out about like his time in Cleveland that he didn't even uh, didn't report to the voluntary workouts. Not that anybody expected him to anyway. But if there's so much like what is it the mutual disinterest that was put out between him and Carolina just like what like six weeks ago or so? I mean, that yeah. seems to be the mutual disinterest with him and the rest of the teams in the league as well. So yeah, like Robbie Anderson came out was like, I don't want Baker Mayfield here. Yeah. I'm like, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So if they really can't find a trade, I, I can just see them just like, hey, I mean, thanks for your time. And there, there's the door. Yeah. Ain't got Jen. Else for you. Well, just for fun, um, I'm going to go with the Jets because why not? Nice. 
you know, uh, Zach Wilson, we don't know what he is. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll bring him in to, uh, as a veteran ish presence. It's interesting. I don't, it's not one yeah. of the more outlandish ones I've heard. I, I mean, mean yeah. I like that. I I'm going to throw Tampa in there. I feel okay. like I like a, that a year grooming behind uh, Tom Brady. I feel like Baker might, might be okay with that. I don't know if Tom offense. will be doing that. I don't know. He probably he will care. That. Tom, yeah. I don't know that Tom would get, cause I don't think Tom would view it as here's a competition. I think he would view oh, it. Oh, it's not competition, but I don't know if he yeah. wants to deal with him. Like in the, oh, that could be, yeah, that's mm-hmm. possible. It's yeah. possible. Okay. All right. All right. Imagine <laughs> Baker Mayfield with a ring just for being on the Buccaneers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be brutal. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a good fit. He, he, he's, you know, Baker Mayfield had a big arm, and now people are remembering Baker Mayfield, you know, like with the shoulder injury, and that's just not who Baker was. Yeah. Um. So we've got to remember back to him as a prospect. He had a cannon. He could really put some heat behind the ball. Uh. So I'd like to see, and you know, you you get that sort of aspect of having a year to get the stink off of you, like. Look yeah. how it turned out for Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, like he got a lot more guaranteed than I think anybody, you know, thought. And if he could, you know, play a good soldier for a year, you know, maybe while Tom, you know, has his revenge tour, sans Bruce Arians, because Tom Brady don't need no coach. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it at this point. Yeah. That's all Tom's got left to prove. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, you wanted to bring up Debo Samuel. What uh, what should we think of the whole Debo Samuel drama and what's going on? I don't know. Apparently, we need to take it to Facebook and ask his brother. <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard about that. <laughs> like, Fill me in. Fill me in. Uh, his brother said basically, you know, they're asking for a trade. The camp is asking for a trade from San Francisco. So, uh you know, that could be something that throws a big wrench into some of these mock drafts, uh, you know, late in the game. You know, a team like San Francisco or Tennessee or even Seattle, you know, with DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown and all those guys looking for these big deals, you know, after sort of getting that. Uh, there's sort of two aspects to it that are interesting from a draft perspective, because you know, these were guys who were all second round picks. So now mm. they don't have that cost controlled fifth year. Yeah. So this contract is now a bigger thing. So maybe we see some of these pass catchers who we think are early second round picks, maybe sneak into the end of the first as teams want a little bit more cost control. That's uh, a good point. That's going to be a little bit, you know, an interesting thing to watch. And then, uh, you know, does Devo maybe fetch the 10th overall pick? you know, from the Jets and they get a little bit of a more, more sure thing rather than having to, you know, get Jamison Williams or Drake London or Garrett Wilson in town and trying to get him up to speed. Maybe they get a little bit more of a sure thing who worked, uh, you know, with the play caller LaFleur in San Francisco previously. So Debo eh, could be on the move. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams vying for him, uh, the quest, you know, for his own fantasy, uh, you know, stakes. I don't know if there's going to be a team that's going to give him eight to ten inside the tackle rushes. Yeah, uh, that exists in the NFL. Miami trade Tyreek Hill for for it for Debo Samuel. Do that, please. <laughs> oh, let me yeah. let me not root for Tyreek Hill this year. That would be nice. 
<laughs> Jen, is there a spot you'd like to see uh, Debo end up? I mean, I haven't thought about it till this very second, but I think, you know, talking about giving, you know, like you said, giving him rushing, I mean, Atlanta would be interesting because he would, I mean, I guess yeah. they already have, they already have Patterson. So I guess they don't really need another guy like that, but it's, um, that's, that's future hall of famer Cordero Patterson. Yes, Thank of course. Correct. Put some respect on the name. I'm, I'm with you, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think it's strange because it kind of screws San Francisco if they were to go ahead and do that, because then you're, I mean, they have Kittle and that's pretty much it. I mean, of course, Ayuk is there, but I feel like, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that they would. It's one of those things, right? I mean, if someone wants to leave, you kind of want to like deal them and let them go. But at the same time, they kind of can't afford to let them go because they need them. So I don't know. Yeah. 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 I did crazy contract uh, discussions with guys on rookie deals. Uh, kind of new, not really something that's been uh been a prominent thing so kind of interesting uh we have gone about 45 minutes so i'm gonna i'm gonna let each of you uh go on to your respective evenings uh anthony thank you so much for joining us i really appreciate your time and your expertise listeners should definitely read anthony's mock and his big board at four for four.com keep it bookmarked keep checking back for updates until draft uh next week and follow anthony on twitter at stags nfl anthony any final thoughts or plugs before we go now I'm excited to get to this draft and get to the live show, talk with uh, Daigle and Mr. Paulson about all the fantasy-relevant guys because I think we're going to see, you know, there's rumors, though, that we could see a, a top 10 without a guy who touches the ball, and, yeah, and that's kind of crazy for fantasy, but uh, I do think one will either go at 10 or – you know, at some point before that. So I don't think we're going to be too out of our element uh, early in the uh, round. So I'm excited to do the draft show. And we've got uh, a lot of draft and betting content centered around the draft coming out uh, in the next you know week or so. I guess we're closer to getting closer than I think here. I gotta, yeah, we got to play some time. I got to play some time. But uh, yeah, I'm just excited for it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again. And thank you, Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday mommy at Chris Allen, FFWX at stags NFL and at two guys, Brandon. Thanks so much for checking us out. Have a good day.